everybody. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. It is now, almost not anymore, December 27th, 2021, the 23rd day of Tevet, 5782. And I am delighted to have on the line with me, from the Golan Heights, can you imagine, Michal Evanesh, who is, it's so great how he describes himself, an outdoor educator. All right. Uh, Not a tour guide, an outdoor educator. And that's such a great way of putting it. And I'm going to steal it. I'm telling him now in front of all you guys, witnesses. Um, A few days ago, we were, some of us in my house were in our kitchen when a tarantula made its way across the floor. So I did the only thing that I could think to do, which is I videoed it and sent it to Michael, because in addition to everything else that he does, he's also an expert in things that make the rest of us scream and stand on a table. So I immediately got back. Wow, that's so cool. You have a parvanit in your house. Don't annoy it. It'll throw its fur at you. But don't worry, it's not venomous. That was pretty much the bottom line. So uh, anyhow, I'm so happy to have him on Rejuvenation tonight. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? Shalom, shalom. Uh, I hope the spider's not there anymore. No, no, no. We actually didn't kill it. We put it outside where we noticed some neighbor. Once you said it wasn't dangerous, where we noticed some neighborhood boys, 10-year-old boys got very, very interested because that's what 10-year-old boys do. So it (laughs) it looked like it was win-win. And as long as it wasn't in our kitchen, we were all fine over here. Um, The, you know, before we start on what I was actually going to talk to you about, the Golan where you live, uh, only with about another 20, 22,000 people, was in the news just this week. Um, because the government decided to double the number of people up there and to put some serious investment into the Golan Heights. What's your feeling about it as a longtime resident? Uh, yay. Yay, uh, yeah. It's wonderful. it's wonderful to see that uh, uh, the peripheral areas of Israel are of importance. We know we have a lot of challenges, like um, it's very hard to get uh, um, medical care right. like you can in the center of uh, and even in southern israel and um there are many farmers here and it's hard being a farmer and um uh, uh, so many people want to move to the golan but can't be mainly because of employment right so the plan is really a wonderful one and it's uh uh it feels good that uh kind of like you know you're in a corner of the country <laughs> and uh who most people are going through for vacation and sometimes it's in the news for security reasons but no one really doing much about right. it. And here, all of a sudden, um, it's like, uh, thanks for noticing us. That's great. Yeah. Uh, th- of course, there are a few things that are problematic. Um, the two villages that they want to start, uh, which is a great idea, of course, to start new villages are in areas that uh, are open areas, uh, beautiful nature areas The that recently the whole um, um, wind turbine uh, uh controversy uh, came out i don't know a lot about mm-hmm. it except that uh, you know when you go there with a group or with people or with tourists or with uh people who want to learn about the golan right. which is almost everybody uh it's kind of like an eyesore so it's it's like um the i'm, I'm joyful part of me is joyful that the golan is going to get a big booster shot uh sorry about the 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 covid reference there but uh, it's <laughs> okay similar to yeah that. Um, and uh, and I hope that it'll be done in a in a sensitive way, mm-hmm. uh, so that uh, we'll still have the beautiful open areas and the beautiful views that people come to the Golan for to sometimes to get away from right you know, 
a city. Right. Yeah, I know, I know I'm not the only one who considers it the lungs of the country. They could just go up there and breathe, and it's beautiful, and there's water, and there are trees, and there's cowboys. Sometimes you have to wait. Your car has to stop because there's a whole bunch of cows crossing the road, and they don't move very quickly in case anybody knew, <laughs> including unique kind of cow, I believe, that just as on the Golan, it has the, the kinds of hooves that are made for walking on the basalt because the Golan is, a lot of it's covered with lava due to some volcanoes that don't explode anymore, but did in only about 4,000 years ago. So yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really great area. And I, I, and I agree with you. I hope that somebody gets in there who's smart about balancing the environment and keeping it open. And also, of course, you have army bases up there and they need their, their range um, and, uh, you know, and making it good for the communities. And the medical care is, a, is a really a big deal because I think most people move someplace really for three main reasons. One is employment. So it's important to have places of employment. Although these days, I, more people are doing things on the computer, but still good education for your kids and good medical care. And the North is very much lacking, definitely in the medical care. I think even the mortality rate of people in the North and people live fewer years because you just don't have, there's some phenomenal hospitals in Israel, but they're on the coast. Or as you said, in Beersheba, there's a great hospital now too. And in Jerusalem, but you really don't have anything terrific up in the area. The one in Svat is like, okay, maybe. And the one in Tiberias also, and that's about it. So, but it, you know, yes. but if you make it more attractive, then maybe you'll have, you know, more doctors and people moving up there. I mean, I don't know what comes first here, the chicken or the egg, but it was definitely good news to see that the government is putting a significant amount of money into developing the Golan and uh, and as we said, you know, I just hope they do it in a smart way. I miss going up there. Wow, I haven't been there in months. I I physically miss coming up to the Golan. It's really a very special place. You have snow now, or you're not in the part that gets snow. Uh, we're not in the part that gets snow. That's uh, mainly Mount Hermon, right. um, which is totally white now wow. and incredibly beautiful when the sun is rising yeah. and setting. Yeah, it's it looks so surreal. Yeah, and it's uh, mind blowing. But um, the rest of the Golan, just like the rest of the country, is turning green yep. because there are more open spaces. It's uh, turning greener. There's, uh, you know, we have our first flowers, the, uh, the Narcissim. And the, I mean, it's uh, this is the time really to come. <sighs> Aside from the summer when people want to get wet, this is right. the time really to come and enjoy the green. Yeah, absolutely. And the colors of the Golan. And the chocolate at Decorina and the wineries and a whole <laughs> and lot of wine, other yes. things. <laughs> <laughs> and There's the ATV rides and the horseback riding and all the wonderful things that draw people to the Golan. And even a tour of like the, the Brasheet, they've got that factory there where they, when they collect the apples and some of the other winter fruit. And that's actually a very cool tour because the, um, the conveyor belts are water. So they have all the fruit. Not only is it getting washed, but it's kind of like bouncing around gently so it's not getting bruised. Remember the first time I saw that, I thought, what a great idea. Wow, that is so brilliant. Yes. It's a fun place to go. So now I really miss the Golan. But the reason that I asked you to come on tonight, even though I'm always happy to talk to you about where you live, is um, because you are returning to Livnot or deepening your connection once again with Livnot, which is an organization that I have a very strong tie to. That's my daughter, Elisheva, did her national service with Livnot, met my, who's now my son-in-law there, who came for a program and they have given us uh, six beautiful grandchildren. So I owe a lot to leave not. And um, I'm really glad that, that you're rejoining them. So tell us a little bit about the organization, what's been going on with it, and why you decided to, you know, 
go back and and uh, see what the next generation, if you will, is going to accomplish. It's a good question. I mean, I uh, I'll give you an example of one of the reasons I'm going back. One of the things I do in uh, for the past many years is teach in the guides course of the Ministry of Tourism when they come to the Golan, and um, it used to be a much longer course with uh, many more days uh, out in the field. But because of uh, what's going on in the world and in Israel, it's become a very much shorter course, which uh, less days in the field, and there isn't a lot of time. And um, uh, during a day, let's say in the Golan, I'm given, let's say, seven, eight, nine, ten places to go to. And it's really, there's almost no time to deal with things that, um, that are meaningful. Mm-hmm. They're always just giving out information. Like, for instance, you get to Mount Hermon. There's so much to talk yeah, about. Yeah. There's the nature. There's the security aspect. There's the battles that were there. There is the temperature, the fact that there's snow, plants and animals that you can't find anywhere else. It's its own mini and environment. The, the yeah, it's an amazing exactly. hill, mountain. Yeah. And, and even the biblical connection. Sure. And by the time you finish the what and you want to talk about the, the, the why and the meaning and how it can be made relevant to people's lives, it's time to move on to the next to the next site. And it's not, uh, I mean, the coordinators of the course are doing their best, um, but that's the reality today. And I, my fear is, of course, is that the new generation of, uh, of, of tour guides will just be giving information. Right. And the truth is people don't need that because you can get, you can get information on your smartphone mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and if you need navigation, you know, it used to be, you could get lost, but you've got ways right. and you've got all kinds, you can even hike, with the hiking ways that they have. And um, I, and it, that's what's really special about this organization in spot called which started in, 19, in 1980, which, um, which really put as its, uh, I guess it's a, its charter to uh, help young English speaking Jews find meaning and find what's relevant to their life in this, in this land with Judaism, uh, with other people, with Jewish values, with midot, you know, uh, character that, right, characteristics, right. and um, and that it kind of sets it apart from uh, from other educational, I guess you could say, initiatives. Uh, first of all, it's not for profit, which uh, which also is kind of different. They do things for educational reasons. And not really in order to make money. I mean, they're very good at not making money. But, <laughs> they're um, experts in not but, making uh, money. <laughs> they're experts in that. Yeah. And, and, and it's really nice, wonderful people who care about Jewish education, who donate, whether it be in Israel or outside of Israel, in the States, other in Europe. And, um, and it's a place where, where people can come and find what's meaningful to them, what's relevant to them, and not just data. Uh, and that makes the educator's uh, job much more um, important, but also much more challenging mm-hmm. because you have to know what young people are looking for today, what their situation is. And I hear all the time people who come to Israel and um, including people who are here now, despite uh, Corona. Right. Uh, and we just had a program a few weeks ago. It was on Hanukkah, actually, uh, that a bunch of people came. And, um, and they're thirsty, they're thirsty for meaning. And, um, 
the folks that leave notes uh, somehow are able to focus on that. And that makes it like a flower in the desert. Um, not to say that nobody's doing that, but as an organization uh, that puts it at its, uh, as its principle, it's really, I think, very rare. So it's kind of, uh, I feel like it's my, my home mm-hmm. um, as far as education goes. And also, I mean, imagine these folks in Tzfat, you know, bought this property, <laughs> yeah. had no idea what was underneath it. Oh my it, God, yeah. And all of a sudden they find layers and layers of uh, Jewish presence back till, you know, 500 years ago from the time of the great Kabbalists. And they found the JCC. I mean, imagine yeah. that, <laughs> imagine that finding the, the Matnas, you know, the spiritual the JCC community of, center of the Jewish people right. was, a, was the center of the Jewish people at the time. And they were right on top of it the whole time with the mikvah and with the bakery. And the, and the, what's amazing is when they, when they made an oven, the oven heated the water for the. I think that's spot. so really cool. brilliant. I loved and, when I and saw it that. Also yeah. heats the bakery, so like you're, perfect. There, sustainability. It's uh, it was just it's just incredible and something. It you can feel it when you walk on that campus. It's like there's something special going on, and now they're developing it, of course, into uh, kind of like a spiritual trip, kind of like what goes on in the city of David. Mm-hmm. They want to with the kind of movies that they show on the wall, right. they are developing the same thing uh, underground in these tunnels that lead and end at that, um, what's called the Kahal, the uh, the community center for the Jewish community of Tzfat 500 years ago. So it's, not only is it a place that has great principles and and values, but it also, their, 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 their uh, location, location, location is just right. It's perfect. Well, I, so. I firmly believe that certain places call to certain people. Um, I, you can't explain it, and so, but I think when you're here in Israel, somehow you don't have to explain it. It's almost like right. I mean, I see just living in Gush Etzion. Very this type of people who live here are very similar to the type of people who lived here a long time ago, be it the Hashmonaim or Bar Kochba. You know, very, very strong about the country, but also about Torah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. But I do think there's something about the land. And Tzfat, of course, really a spiritual center for so long. And as you said, the Kabbalists who come, you know, with the Inquisition and the Iberian Peninsula. And at that time, people come, and, you know, and go to Tzfat. And you have some of the greatest rabbis and songs that were composed there. And Shabbat, I mean, so many beautiful Many things that a lot of us do on Shabbat that we don't realize source out, like Kabbalah Shabbat, for example, the acceptance of Shabbat, or even the Tu B'Shvat Seder, my understanding, which is coming up soon in, a, in just a few weeks. Yes. We have you know, the celebration of the birthday of the trees and, and having that kind of banquet almost, celebrating fruit and, and the things that grow here in the land of Israel. And you know, it's, it doesn't have to be um, esoteric. It can be, re- it can be, that's what's so, what I love about Svad is it, it, it's pendulum swings wide between incredibly spiritual and Kabbalist and almost like very grounded and practical, like, yes, let's celebrate fruit, you know? So, I mean, and in between those exactly. two, you can find a place for yourself. And, and it's really special, but, you know, leave not, I mean, there's people listening, of course, when leave not started so long ago that you didn't have birthright and you didn't have some of the trips that you have here now. And I remember initially they had like a three month program. I mean, it was a serious chunk of change. People came here and excavated buildings and went with you into caves from so long ago. I mean, 
Can I out you on that, that you're a, uh, you like spending a lot of time underground? <laughs> Which, uh, given the state of yes, humanity, is maybe not such a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> I guilty as charged. Um, I, I think really the what you mentioned, the, the fusion of physical and spiritual is really one of the mainstays of Leaf Note. One of the hikes that we do is, of course, right, the backyard of Leaf Note is Nachalamud, the beautiful yeah. nature reserve. And there's scores of these flour mills right. that um, uh, were used actually originally to make clothes, which is how the community of Tzfat actually survived 500 years ago, yeah. so that they could support all these yeshivas and the artists and the and the authors and the thinkers and the philosophers. And afterwards, they returned after the the uh, shmata business <laughs> didn't work out. After a while, they became flour mills. And it um, it's just, it almost behooves to, to quote the that uh, uh, section of Kirkei Avot in the Talmud that says, Im en kemach en Torah, im en Torah en kemach. If there's no flower, there's no Torah. If there's no Torah, there's no flower. As if to say flower being something that you need physically, Torah being something that you need spiritually. Right. Uh, the, the whole idea, uh, and I'm not a Kabbalist and I don't know much about Kabbalah at all, even though I'm in Tzfat a lot, but from what I understand, uh, this is actually one of the things that they were trying to teach, not to go to a mountaintop and, as they say, contemplate your belly button and that's it, mm-hmm. and not to just do work the stock market, but somehow be able to have a fusion between the two, kind of like uh, Jacob's Ladder, uh, head in the sky, feet, feet on the ground, uh, planted firmly on the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's a challenge. It's a challenge today. And that helps people find the balance. You know, people come to this program and they have when it was three months and now it's uh, we're doing a five day leadership program. We do 10 days, all kinds of different programs. And they come and the first thing they notice is that it's quiet. They don't have the noise of the hustle and bustle of the city. And for people coming from outside of Israel, especially, they're just blown away. And it opens a door. They kind of get starry eyed and they're open. And at the end, sometimes they kind of are a little bit cynical. They want to catch themselves and they're like, wait, is this La La Land? Is this really reality? And then they go back to their communities. And then a year later, six months later, sometimes a month later, I get letters because I, you know, I, I communicate with a lot of the people who are on the program. And they miss it. They are thirsty. They want that balance again. They don't, they're, they're, they want the balance of the physical and the spiritual. And Judaism in the land of Israel somehow gives that to them and they miss it. And, uh, and they want to come back. Now they're bringing back their kids. They're having bar bat mitzvahs. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's, uh, and it's just there. It's not as though you have to teach them about it. They pick it up in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like spores. And, um, <laughs> and it's a, I mean, a, in, in a, a good, good way. It's a good, it's a good virus. <laughs> yeah. It's a good <laughs> Exactly. No, seriously. I mean, you know, there's things out there that are devastating and wreak havoc and illness and even death. And then there, there's what we can't see that all, I mean, if we believe in that, which many of us do, that there's something out there that we have to be careful of, even though we can't see it. Um, then why can't we believe in the stuff that's out there that's really good for us and we can't see it? The spirituality. It's a, it's the same thing, you know, just change your mind on it. Yeah. Switch switch <laughs> that's switch the, the disc. Spot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who was it? It was yes. it was it Elijah the prophet who talked about 
hearing God in the in the in the stillness and the small still voice, <laughs> not in the thunder and the lightning and the and all the noise. And most of us are surrounded by noise all the time. If 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 we, even if we're living in quiet, we turn on the TV, the radio. There's music blasting. It's like nothing's quiet anymore. And maybe now in the last couple of years where people have maybe been forced into more quiet because a lot of the things that we're used to doing, we haven't been able to do, um, maybe they're looking for the good in that quiet. And that's where, where you can fit in here and, uh, and provide that. Definitely. There's, there's a huge yearning out there, and I'm sure you know oh, yeah. you're in touch with people from outside. There's a yearning to come back to the land of Israel again. There's a yearning to, to connect again. And although I totally understand why the skies are closed for health reasons, I'm still kind of in mourning, mm-hmm. as it were, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, yeah. of the souls, all those people, especially folks on college campuses who aren't coming. Right. You know, will they ever come now? Are, are they lost to Judaism in Israel? Um, that's uh, something that we don't have the tools to measure. But um all, all I can do is, is pray that, um, that, uh, that something, the something good that might come out of this for them will be this great yearning to travel, to explore, to get in touch, to learn more about this land and this people. Mm-hmm. And to take advantage of the opportunity. Because, you know, you might have an opportunity next week and like, well, I don't know. And then, well, maybe I need to go when I can go because who knows when it'll be cut off again. And I agree with you that I understand the concern, but also it's incredibly painful to see, not just because we're not, you know, we're not working as guides because, you know, as you said in the beginning, and I'm also a little bit concerned about the new tour guides coming up. And I'm not saying this because of competition or anything else, because every guide finds his niche, his, her niche, and finds, you know, there's a lot of different people out there and a lot of guides who guide in different ways. But, um, I mean, when I took the course, it was well over two years. It wasn't, and, and you had to go to the places. You couldn't just research it in Wikipedia. You had to see it, you had to feel it. And as you said, you had to know the story because um, most of us are not, we just don't want to remember facts in years. If it doesn't make sense to us, if it isn't a story, then we're, it's not going to have that meaning. And if we're not part of that story, for sure not. And, um, and I would hope that they're able to kind of fill, that in, fill in those gaps on their own. But I can't imagine coming to the Golan and just having a day. I think we were there for a week, and we still felt like we hadn't <laughs> covered everything. You have to go back on your own and, and figure it out because there's just so much has gone up there, on up there. I mean, for those of you who are biblically oriented, that's the Bashan of ancient times with all the stories that happened there and and uh, really the very, very deep meaning. You know, we think of it now maybe out of security reasons. Syria's on the other side, and it keeps Syria from getting too close. But it's so much more than that. It's not just a buffer zone. Uh, I mean, it's really a place where we have very, very deep roots. And thank God we were able to get back there in 1967 and, uh, you know, and deepen those roots and that understanding. So, like, when you... Tell us a little bit about you. I mean, as much as you're willing to do that, about your own personal journey, because I know that that's something that you share. Um, because we're all on a journey, and uh, sometimes people think that they're the only ones that are on a journey or having questions or or having deep questions uh, and reflecting on how they were raised and what they want to keep from that and where they want to make their own mark and 
and uh, questions of faith and questions of belonging and questions of peoplehood that's very much out there, not just among the Jews, incidentally, of course, even though that's the people that we're talking about, those are our guys, but, you know, among a lot of people, what does all this mean? Like, wh- where is God? What Talking about things that you can't see, but you should be able to feel, right? Um, yes. So, like, how do you how do you share that? How are you able to kind of share who you are with people who are maybe in a situation that you were in 40 years ago or so? Sorry about that. <laughs> Since you're only 45, uh, you started very, very uh, young. Of course, very young. <laughs> in very kindergarten, young. you were already uh, leading groups. Many, yes. <laughs> many moons ago, um, I grew up in Kansas City, which uh, is on literally on state line between Kansas and Missouri. And one of the things about Kansas is, and it's well known to only a few uh, special people, I'm joking, of course, is that Kansas is unbelievably flat. Yeah. And um, you just grow up with that. And as a kid, you think that the world is flat. Uh, I don't mean in the uh, Copernicus way, but I mean, you just figure that's the way it is. You see pictures. I remember once we drove to Colorado. My my parents were journalists uh, of the Jewish newspaper in Kansas City, and all the Jewish journalists got together in, in Denver. And uh, we drove to Colorado. and Well, that'll um, disabuse you of the world as, is flat. <laughs> Colorado. <exactly. laughs> okay. As, as we got closer to Colorado and we get closer and closer, I see something up in the sky. At first, I think it's a cloud. And, um, and then I realized it's something, something special. And, and I asked my, I was a little kid, really. And uh, of course, we were fighting in the backseat like all kids do because yeah. we're normal. And uh, I asked my parents to stop so I could get out and take a look and, and, and they told me that's a mountain. And I remember I started crying really? <laughs> because it was so beautiful. Wow. Uh, I was so moved that I, so, you know, and um, it was wow. just a, a moment that I remember. And, uh, and here in the Golan Heights and in Israel, and of course, other than that, nothing really happens in Kansas. I mean, the most um, Dorothy and Toto. exciting yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, Toto. Right. It's a joke already, even among Americans, that uh, especially among Americans, that Kansas is, is Kansas. The, the flatness is a symbol. The most exciting thing that happens is when you get caught by the police transporting beer from Kansas to Missouri in, the, in your trunk. Mm-hmm. You know? That was about that was like headline news. But um, and here it's just the exact opposite. The the the. Um, the topography of the land, and especially the Golan, but all of Israel, is so different. And everything that happens here is has repercussions that are not just worldwide that you read on the news, any news service, usually twisted, but still right, we're there. Right. But it has cosmic, you know, uh, meaning. And it's just so opposite that it's exciting. And... Um, I still like that little kid in many ways. That's why, like you said, 10-year-old kids get excited from spiders. I'm just like a 10-year-old kid. Yeah, that's, still excited um, about spiders and snakes. Still excited about spiders and snakes. And, uh, and, and the very topography is not lost on me. We're living in an incredibly important place that, um, that people look at and come to in order to improve their lives, to to be, and it doesn't really matter what religion they mm-hmm. are to work with, you know, all folks as you do. And, um, and they look at this place as a kind of uh, Xanadu, you know, this magical place that they make a pilgrimage to. And um, that uh, they don't just do it so that they'll 
you know, have a scrapbook. Well, people don't have scrapbooks anymore. Digital <laughs> scrapbooks. Yes. Um, but <clears throat> but uh, they do it because they want to take part of this and apply it to their lives. And that makes us as outdoor educators, as mm -hmm. uh, you have now, as you have now become, yeah. as you said, and you always were, that uh, it, it puts a, a burden on our shoulders to provide that, to give them, to encourage them, to find meaning, mm -hmm. to help them, to take to take them to places and talk about, it could be Jewish values like Rignot does, it could be a thousand and one things, uh, but people come back from Israel uh, moved. And that means that we have a responsibility to, uh, to help them do that. Uh, and I mean, this is something that you've known, but I wish there was a, a, a whole course uh, for future guides and educators just for that, or that there be a day or a week where this could be, you know, I try to fit it in when I can, but there's uh, so much on my plate, as it were, right. that it's, it's really hard to get in a word edgewise. That's our challenge. And we'll meet it, hopefully, mm -hmm. and good things will happen. So it's interesting for me, because you mentioned flatlands and you mentioned mountains, that, that all joking aside, what I mentioned a few minutes ago, is that you are known as one of the premier, not premier, but definitely one of the people who's up there, when it comes to caves. When it, and I'm finding some symbolism in this as well. And like, what's under the surface? What are you not seeing that's there? That's not just a hole in the ground, but contained life, sometimes saved lives, um, was much more than just like a, a basement under a house. And where you live up north, uh, not so much in the Golan, I think, but, but it, definitely in the Galilee, it is rife with caves. Um, Again, can you tell us a, some, a story or two of, because of, I know that you have literally fallen into them and definitely you're on somebody's speed dial when it comes to finding them, whether it's from one of the revolts, whether it's from one of the peaceful times. What can you tell us? And I just, and I'll just add this. I remember going into a cave with you with a group of people and um, you we turned off all the flashlights. We sat there, we crawled through and then we came to a, a slightly bigger space and we turned off the flashlights and you were talking to us about how women gave birth underground when they were hiding from the Romans, the Jewish women, and that premature babies don't cry. And because if the baby's going to cry, then it's going to out everybody. And, and of course, the Romans would find them. And just sitting there and, and what we talk about the expression, right, like the darkness of Egypt, but, but sitting in a cave underground, you couldn't even come close to seeing the hand in front of your face. And just experiencing what those people experienced. On the one hand, that made me not be afraid of caves anymore, by the way, because it was a total mind switch that this is not a place to be afraid of. This is a place that saved them. And so since then, when I've gone into caves and I find myself sometimes getting like a little bit claustrophobic, like there's really no way out of here. And the, that very big person in front of me isn't moving quickly. And it looks like, yeah. So we've all had that experience. And then I just reframe that in my head. And I say, the Romans are on top of me. I am here with my children. And this cave is saving us. And then the fear goes away, because anyhow, it's all mental. It's not a real fear. And um, but that that experience that I had with you uh, made a huge impression on me. So I can only imagine what's going on when other people go out with you or down with you or whatever we want to say. Well, the first time I went into a cave, which of course, they, there are caves in Missouri, but you know, Jews just, Missouri Jews don't go into caves. You know, we never, I, <laughs> a day in our lives, I didn't own a backpack. I didn't do, it wasn't a thing back yeah. then for us. Uh, certainly not in Kansas. But the first time I went into a cave in Israel, I was scared to death. And um, when, 
when one of the caves that I found with a friend of mine, we had no idea what we were finding. Uh, we went in with candles like fools and the candles went out and the matches all went out and we were stuck in the dark and I was definitely had my first and not last panic attack there. Um, and it was before you could pull out your cell phone and turn on the flashlight on the phone, exactly. right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and but when I came out, it was I was like you said, I was transformed. And it's kind of like a birthing or or like you said, Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim, of course, means the narrow. Right. And, you know, there's that verse in Psalms that says, uh, I call out to you from the narrow places answer me in the open wide places right. and you kind of feel that when you come out of a cave especially one where they made where they hewed out tunnels that were only big enough for little jews and not big romans with armor on yeah and um and and you kind of breathe a sigh of relief and 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 like you said there incredible things happened there people were i guess you could say they had like tunnel vision they saw that the entire jewish people was was counting on them to survive um, and that meant staying quiet and um, and to uh, and they heard the Romans above them. And it mentions a number of time and a uh, number of times in the Talmud that uh, two women uh, who were premature uh, went into labor mm -hmm. uh, before their time. And from fear, from what I am yeah. in, in, in fear and mm -hmm. kind of uh, trauma. And um, although I've never given birth before, I've, uh, some people close to me told me, uh, and I've heard that it's a very painful thing, and mm -hmm. screaming is actually encouraged. And these folks who weren't ready for birth uh, did it in total silence mm -hmm. because the Romans never found them. And so much so that the kids got mixed up. They didn't know which kid, which baby was wow. connected to which mother. And one was a Cohen family and the other one was All kinds whole, of stories. Yeah. All kinds of stories. But but in the end, it was. Uh, um, and so I was telling the story to uh, to an obstetrician who was with me in the caves. And he said, well, that makes total sense because because premature babies don't have developed lungs and they can't cry. Wow. So you don't hear that. And I was thinking that's that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of makes makes sense. But you people like you said, people go and, and myself, I hate going into caves because I'm totally claustrophobic. That's a secret. Okay. But um, now only my listeners know, but they're not going to yeah, tell anybody. The I have the greatest not. listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but people go in, they're very cautious, but once they're in and they hear the stories and then they do it, like you said, okay, let's try it ourselves. I asked, is everybody okay with that? Let's try it. Let's try it for 60 seconds, not more, not three months, right. you know, not an hour, just third, 60 seconds. And, uh, and that's enough. Those 60 seconds of actually, you know, being a Jew back then at the time of the Romans, having to be quiet, having to deal with, with a kind of terror, uh, of, of, of lack of control. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of affects people's souls and they come out in the wide open places. They come out different people, caves, I think are one of the most transforming, transforming uh, sites that we have in Israel. And um, uh, the more that we can bring people into caves, right. uh, the the better. I think it's good because it also it's not just a history lesson. It's a it's a lesson in um, in connecting to our ancestors in in the in the deepest way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, well, and then you really feel the darkness as a thing. It's not just the absence of light. It's it's an entity it's in of itself. It's, it's an entity into itself. And 
And it gives uh, people a feeling when they get out, then all of a sudden they appreciate the light. They appreciate colors. They appreciate being in, they can be in control. They can walk around. Mm -hmm. There's wide open spaces. People have their own space. And uh, it uh, even, even not from a spiritual area, it just, it just brings one to a place of, of appreciation without endangering your life. And that's a, that's a great thing. It's just one of the things that uh, people can pick up by walking the land of Israel and, and understanding what, what, what happened underneath the, uh, the crust of the land. Mm -hmm. And that appreciation is such a big thing. I think in all facets of our life, that's well, I mean, my listeners know this. It's one of my pet peeves um, is that when I meet people who have this sense of entitlement, which is completely not justified. I mean, nobody should have it. Whatever you have is because Hashem wanted you to have it and uh, wanted you to use it to turn on the light higher and to make things better. And I just meet too many people who just somehow think it's like coming to them and don't appreciate what they have. And, uh, and that makes me sad and also scares me because when you don't appreciate what you have, you're likely to lose it. And I see that happening even in whole countries. Um, where too many people don't appreciate the tremendous wars that were fought in order to keep them free. If you're living in a country like that and this is resonating for you, go right ahead, run with it, um, and just somehow feel like it's all there. And the tremendous effort that goes on every day into those of us who are living in free societies and making sure that we, it stays that way. Uh, and, and that's something we really have to be aware of. And look, even just the Hebrew prayers, and I know that a lot of the people that come to you aren't people who pray, you know, they're people who really aren't familiar with the prayers, they're searching for that. Um, But a lot of the prayers are just thank you. (laughs) Very simple. That was really good apple. Thank you. Yeah, I I went to the bathroom successfully. Thank you. No joke, everybody, by the way. We're very practical (laughs) people. Um, No, but it's just a matter of not taking it for granted. And Israel, Israel brings you to that. Because there's so it's much real, that's fraught, even today, it's yes. not a it, you know a secure place, and it makes you really appreciate everything. It's a lot to be from simple things like water. Yeah, you know, I remember when I was uh, uh, in a fraternity in the major state university, of which I will not mention, um, that uh, we used to go into the shower with a chair. Okay, and you would sit. And you would take the book that you needed to study and put it in a plastic bag and, and study while you're showering. It would be really? half an hour. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't. I, I did that without the book. Okay. Uh, I, I wasn't into the study thing at the time. But, but there's no appreciation of water. The, Israel being a land of lack yeah. um, it is a land of appreciation. Uh, we don't want to not have water, but the fact that it's scarce and we have to work for it we have to even take it from the sea and turn it into potable water. That brings an appreciation, which, of course, water is uh, is also a place where the physical and the spiritual kind of connect. But uh, but we have that prayer, like you said, we have a prayer where we actually thank Hashem for creating a lack. Thanking Hashem for a lack. And lack isn't supposed to torture us. It's like you said, it's supposed to bring to a place of appreciation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a good, I think I would agree with you that, you know, if we had to, the land of Israel and the subtitle would be the land of lack that brings appreciation for wow. peace, for water, for meaning, 
And, and, and that's definitely something that people pick up on that sometimes we don't even realize we're so used to, you know, turning the faucet right. off, not washing the dishes with the water on that we don't even, we're so used to it. But sometimes that's what's great about being with people from outside of Israel, that they kind of uh, wake you up mm -hmm. and remind you that you've got something really special here. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's, a, it's really a two-way street. We both enjoy each other. Uh, that's really what education is, I think, is, uh, is not that there's some teacher up on high, some professor who's got a doctorate, which is good. It's important. And someone down here is, who's, you know, please fill up my bowl with your knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's a two way street where you're sharing. And, um, and, and that's, uh, that's something that's needed. Uh, so it's, uh, it's one of the pluses of being able to meet, as you well know, uh, all these incredible people oh, who yeah. are coming from outside of Israel. We can learn so much from yeah. them. Yeah, and everyone on their journey. And if we have really the privilege of being able to meet them on some part of their road and, uh, you know, and, and somehow add to it or, or just get them thinking about something maybe that they didn't even know to think about. I, I came across something yesterday. Uh, I think it was like 12 signs of intelligence. I was reading it. I was curious. Number one is insatiable curiosity. It's not that you know everything. That's not what intelligence is. It's that you know what you don't know and you're constantly trying to learn. And I, th I thought that was amazing. Uh, I mean, it, it really, it spoke to me. And I really think that when people come here, they know what they, they see what they didn't even know they didn't know to learn, if that makes any sense whatsoever. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's very much like that uh, verse in Pirkei Avot that says, you know, who is wise? One who can learn from every person. Right. It's, not, it's not someone who has a high IQ, IQ yeah. that's what we think, but it's actually someone who is humble enough and is, is curious mm -hmm. enough, as you said, that they can learn from anyone. And um, uh, that's, uh, that's a Jewish tradition yep. <laughs> for thousands of years. Yeah. So just to get back to Livnod in the few minutes that we have remaining, um, the, mm -hmm. the, the incredible couple that started Livnod, of course, the Butzers, are also put in quite a few decades into it. And I understand that they're kind of passing it on now to the next generation. So tell us a little bit about the, the couple that's now, you know, kind of going to become the, the, I don't know, the mama and papa of, uh, of the organization. And I know you're very excited to work with them. The mamas and the papas, it's true. Right. Um, they're going to keep the family name because it's, uh, it's a good one. Aaron and Miriam's it's son in, and uh, daughter-in-law. Uh, Eliezer Botzer and Noah Botzer, uh, who are slowly going to be taking over the reins of Leaf Node, and Aaron and Miriam are going to be moving back to a more supportive role uh, of being like the elders and the, uh, the people with the wisdom. Emeritus. Um, They'll be the emeritus or whatever you say. However, that is <laughs> pluralized, emeritized, yes. right? Uh, but very active emeritized. Yes. And uh, Eliezer Boza is really a rock star. Uh, literally. Uh, Saturday night, <laughs> literally, Saturday night, uh, I saw a clip. He was performing in Binyanea Oma. I think there were 3,500 people there. Yeah. This man is on fire. The man is a spiritual powerhouse with his feet firmly on the ground, and his wife is no less powerful. She just doesn't appear on stage. But uh, they have been spent years in India working with mainly Israelis who come to India for spirituality, kind of like um, 
Eskimos going far away to find ice uh, somewhere in the Sahara. I'm going to say uh, that's a failure of of hours. Exactly. That people think they have to go to an ashram to find spirituality when it's right here in front of us. It's not their fault no, at all. It's, it's our, it's, we fell asleep at the wheel and, and education. Um, we thought, ah, oh, we're here. Everybody's Jewish anyway. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It isn't. You have to invest in it and you have to think about it all the time. It's got to be a priority. But they were able in India to connect them in such a way that they came back to Israel and wanted and had that same thirst for more. And after they spent years in India doing this, they decided of all places they're going to sit they're going to live in Tel Aviv in the middle, be part of the music scene and part of the spirituality scene, bringing Israelis who had no connection to those things to be again connected. And now after you know a decade here and a decade there, they have moved to the north near Tzfat and they are going to be uh, helping leave note morph into or add another aspect of itself instead of just reaching out to Uh, English-speaking folks from the United States and Europe and other places, they're going to be offering programming on a daily basis to Israelis in the North who also have drifted away for whatever reasons uh, and want and have some kind of a thirst. And this is really exciting because, um, uh, as we said, you know, the periphery is always a place that needs needs some strengthening. Mm -hmm. And here we have uh, people who have experience working with Israelis and we know today that um, there's no insurance policy for uh, the, you know, it, it's definitely easier if you're in Israel to continue being Jewish than if you're not in Israel. But that doesn't mean that, um, you know, the traditions and the values are going to continue. You got to work at it. You got to sweat as parents and educators. And this is what they're doing. It's it's an incredible initiative that I'm really excited to be a part of and walk in their footsteps. Um, and hopefully Tzfat will again. Uh, become well it already is for, for in most people's minds but now for Israelis too it will be kind of like a place of pilgrimage mm-hmm. um, where people can go and hook in and get their fix of that mix of spirituality and physicality that we talked about right so I think great things are going to happen there and uh, we'll be hearing a lot from the younger generation of boat sayers that are taking over. Amazing. And um, I'm not surprised because uh, I know the home in which they were raised and it was, it's pretty special and that's super great. And just, you know, a lot of, I mean, you brought up the music scene and that's a whole other show. Um, But a lot of the music now in Israel is very much, um, the the music itself is very modern and rock and all that, but the words and as a lot of it is biblical phrases and, searching for God. And it's really something fabulous is happening here now. Um, inexplicable, fabulous. really inexplicable. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so happy, but not surprised again to see that leave not is understanding that. And uh, look, maybe some of the shutting of the borders, I think also made Israelis look, you know, who used to like run to every other place in the world on vacations and looking, as we said, for a spiritual service, hey, maybe it's here. Maybe I don't have to look that far. Maybe it's it's an hour away. Um, and it's that story of the of the treasure yes. hidden 
under that faraway bridge, but it's actually underneath your yeah. house. So that's maybe one of the good things that's coming out. Yeah, of look, this, so. with ev- even with anything bad, there's always, you know, there's always a silver lining to it. And uh, But it takes certain people to be able to find that silver lining because most of us would rather just complain when things get out of our control <laughs> instead of saying, okay, this is out of my control, but maybe now something else, there's an opportunity waiting that I didn't notice before. And, uh, and so I'm, first of all, I'm really glad that Leave Not's making this transition. And I'm really glad that, you know, I know you, you used to work with them intensively and then you started doing some other things. And I think it's brilliant of them that you're now really back there with a lot of your wisdom and a lot of your experience to be able to, you know, infuse that to the Israelis, but, and also to the people that hopefully soon will be coming in. Um, on a, look, on a practical level, it's not that easy to get to and, they inf- they haven't had the greatest mayors in the past few decades, and a lot of that, you know, it's hard to find a place to stay. It's a it's it's on a hilltop, and uh, so you know, a lot of yes. the infrastructure physically also has to be worked on in order to make it easier for people to get there and to stay there. I think that's the key. Also, a lot of people just go to Tzfat for the day. Go to the art galleries, maybe meet a Kabbalist, you know, whatever. That's usually what happens with me when I take people there. Unless I'm with a very small group, I can't stay in spot with them, you know. And then we stay in one of these beautiful little bed and breakfasts that have been carved out of the mountain. But there really isn't the capability for having um, more people. And so hopefully, you know, if the government is going to put some money into Golan, maybe they'll also put a little into Tzvat and, and make it, um, you know, safe and easy for people to get there. All right, Michal Evan Esh, and so. that used to, when in your Kansas days, Evan Esh was Firestone, no? It definitely was. <laughs> and that's the it translation. <laughs> amazing. Just amazing. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Thank you, you so much. To all the listeners, thank you. I'll see you on the trail, okay. I hope. Okay, soon. see you on the trail. Okay, take care. Take care. All right, everybody, that was Michal Evan Esh, one of my favorite outdoor educators, but really very, very knowledgeable and special person. Um, and I hope wherever you are, you're okay. And, um, and maybe now that we're moving into uh, 2022, we'll have some new and better things happening because 2021, I don't know, didn't really rock it the way some of us would have liked to see. So uh, take care, everyone. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. And as always, thanks to Tabitha and to Ben. And take care, everybody. Goodbye for now. The Land of Israel Fellowship is going strong. Learn about the secrets of the Day of Atonement. To join the Land of Israel Fellowship, our special premium learning experience with Jeremy Gimpel and Arya Bromwitz, go to thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship.